0: Uh, We are continuing our series on uh, Living on Purpose and its lessons uh, from the book of Esther. And uh, today who I'm going to be talking about is King Xerxes, and that's X-E-R-X-E-S. So uh, I want to start out because of who he is and ask you a question. Who is the biggest jerk you know? Don't point to anybody if they happen to be here, all right? So, or let me put it this way. If I say jerk, what is the, who comes to your mind? Is it the guy that cut you off in traffic? Maybe it was a teacher in your past that didn't make you feel very smart. It could be a boss who treated you wrong. Anybody ever have one of those bosses? Right. It, could be, it could be a trusted relative who maybe took advantage of you, someone that you cared about. How many of you know we all have one of those in the family, Right? you don't want to invite them to the party or whatever it is. And I bet some of you here are thinking, "Man, I hope nobody's picturing me in that process." So, uh like I said, we're continuing this series on Esther. If you've not read, it's only basically 10 chapters. Uh it's got a lot of plot twists, a lot of characters. We've been summarizing uh just some of the characters. So, uh the first week we talked about Mordecai, which was a great lesson if you didn't listen to it, you can go back. The week after that, we talked about Haman, and uh, this week, we're going to be talking about King Xerxes, and he was not a good guy. So last, last time we talked about Haman, he wasn't a good guy either, and, and how many of you guys know in life, you can learn uh, from good people and bad people, right? Good examples, bad examples, whatever they are, uh, King Xerxes was kind of a jerk. So if I had a a subtitle for this message, it would be how to be a jerk or you could say how not to be. So I've actually titled him instead of King Xerxes, he's kind of more like King Jerxes because that's kind of how he is. And you're going to find out uh, a little bit more about him as we get into this today. So I'm going to jump right in. Uh, Esther chapter 1 verse 3, it says, in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet. So this is early on. He gave a banquet. Notice the people that he had come. All of his nobles, all of his officials, he invited all the military officers of Persia, media, as well as the princes and the nobles of the provinces. The celebration lasted 180 days, a tremendous display of his opulent wealth, of his empire, and the pomp and splendor. I'm probably not getting... Oh, there it is. I did have it all in there. I couldn't remember. So uh, think about that 180-day party. That's what he had going on, and it was all about him. Look at my amazing wealth. Look at how wonderful I am. How many of you know we've got a word for a person like that today? It's called narcissist, right? He's all, it's all come and have a party. Look at what I got. Look at what I've done. Look how amazing it is. So that does lead me to my first point. If you want to be a jerk, make sure you, uh, everyone knows how much you have. You make sure you tell everybody, right? I know we call that, what, boasting, uh, tooting your own horn. Uh, Make sure that people know that you have more and you have better than what they have. Like whenever whenever they got stuff, you're like, oh, you know what? You think that's something? How many of you ever been in a situation where you tell a story and there's always somebody that's got to top your story? all right y'all yeah you think that's great let me tell you something right i mean that's kind of the attitude right there and, and, and probably none of us would uh do a 180 day party celebrating ourselves, but we can be a little more subtle in that am i right going to post pictures on social media you see somebody uh make sure that you one-up anybody else's maybe they've oh we just got a new house oh that's nothing look at our house Right? Look at what we got. Maybe they're excited. Maybe they got a new car. It may not be a brand new car, but it's new to them. And you're like, eh, yeah, that's okay, but check out my car. Right? See what I got. Uh, it, if you want to be that kind of a jerk, you've got to find ways to work into the conversation how much stuff you really have. You've got to be subtle about it, right? Uh, if you'll measure yourself by your possessions and your wealth and then begin to measure other people by their lack of possession... Uh, the only problem with that idea, or that, that thought process, how many of you know there's always somebody with more than you? Unless you're Elon Musk, right? <laughs> uh, there's always somebody. This, you'll never win at that competition, am I right? Because we, what, what do we call that? The rat race. You get in the rat race, and, and you may have heard me say this, it's like even if you happen to win in the rat race, guess what? You're still a rat right so you don't really win in it so here's uh here's the filling in in your notes when you are defined by what you have instead of by who you are guess what you're never going to have enough you're going to need more you need bigger you need oh man i got the latest iphone i need the next one i need the i need the biggest one i need the better car i i need 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 all of this stuff and and can i tell you uh when when pastor Colleen and i when we were stationed in hawaii we uh we heard about this one church we were still kind of checking things out And we heard it was a really good church. We went in there. We got into the service. And the pastor was talking about how somebody from the congregation came to give him a word. Like they had a word from God for him. And the pastor, and this is him talking in the front of the thing. He looked down at the guy's shoes and saw that he had some old ratty shoes on. And he told the guy to stop talking. He says, listen, if you can't believe God for a new pair of shoes, you don't have anything to say to me. Do you know how long it took for Colleen and I? We didn't even stay for the rest of the message. We're like, uh, peace out, bro. We're out of here, right? Uh, like, that's, that is the rat race. L- listen, people spend themselves into mountains of debt in order to impress people that don't even care. Right? Oh, i got to get this because people are going to look at me and my ride. Yeah, they may look at you for two seconds saying, oh, nice car, and keep going. We think we're impressing people with what we got, and they don't really care. We're worried about our own lives, am I right? So, to not be a jerk, we've got to learn to share. I mean, that's just the reality. Recognize that when God blesses you in your life, it's not just for you to hoard it and to hang on to it, just for you to show it off and see what I got. Instead, God blesses us to be a blessing to others. Isn't that right? We are blessed to be a blessing. That's why God puts that stuff in our life, and I don't think it could be any more clear than when Jesus said this in Matthew 6:19. He says, "Don't store up treasures here on Earth where moth and rust, uh, moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. right? How many of you have had stuff stolen, you've had thieves break in, or maybe you've had something rust? And, and, and thing, everything falls apart over time. But what does he say to do? He says, "Store your treasures where? In heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, thieves do not break in and still, Listen, I've heard this phrase. Maybe you have too. You can't take it with you, but guess what? You can send it on ahead. You can send it on ahead. If everything that we get only goes to me alone, you've stored up your treasures here on earth. Oh, I got this. I gotta buy me this. Oh, I got this. I gotta buy me this. I got and not, there's nothing wrong with enjoying some of the blessings that you have. But how many of you know if it all only goes to you? Guess where your treasure is. It's right here. It's in your house. It's in your car. It's in your whatever you may have because it's my treasure. And, and look what and, and listen. Don't be surprised when you get to heaven and you realize you have nothing up there. Yes, you may be saved. You may get there, but there'll be no reward for you in heaven. And you are not going to be able to say, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know I was supposed to store up treasures in heaven. Well, he's telling us. And then look at the next verse. He says, for wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Listen, I don't want the desires of my heart to be only right here. I want my desires. And Pastor Colleen read that verse earlier. Above all else, seek first his kingdom. When God's kingdom, when you begin to store treasures in heaven, and that can be, yes, that can be from faithfully giving uh, of your tithe, but it can also be blessing others that are around you. There's nothing more amazing than being able to help somebody out that's going through a tough time, am I right? And that could be financially, that could be just by spending time with them, having a conversation, calling them up, whatever it is. That, all of that is a matter of storing treasures in heaven, Amen. Amen. So let's move on. Uh, the king's endless banquet had all the signs of an out-of-control party, right? If you can picture animal house or any other kind of what situation, I don't know none of you guys have ever been to that, but uh, they had all of the people that were slaves from the captured kingdom were the ones that were serving them. I'm sure there was loud music, wild dancing, way too much eating and drinking for 180 days. I mean, this was going on for six months. King Xerxes was the center of attention. And uh, this is interesting. I read this that uh, archaeologists excavating in Susa, they've discovered the inscriptions that King Xerxes referred to himself as the great king, the king of kings. Yeah, exactly. Wow. He called, that's what he referred to himself. Now let me tell you, he's not one of the, he's not the only king in that region that has done that. Uh, But he had a really high opinion of himself, didn't he? he thought well of himself so here's the the next point if you want to be a jerk be proud how many of you love being around proud arrogant people it's like man there's nothing better somebody that just talks about themselves and, no we don't like that uh, but if you want to be that way just have a high opinion of yourself push that opinion on other people's be quick to let them know how important you are like do you know who i am uh, it's like no and i don't care right so uh, but that. <laughs> That's the thing. Listen, this is obvious, right? If you don't want to be a jerk, be humble. I mean, that's a that is just that's a choice that you and I make. You can have a whole lot and be proud, but you can also be humble, and you can be very poor and still be proud, right? It's not a matter of how much you have; it's an attitude that you and I choose to decide to live. Uh, I want to live to be a humble person. Was it said? Well, Jesus said this in Luke. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I mean, that's really how it is. But you know what we want to do? We want to push ourselves. We want to push our accomplishments. We want to push, well, I got this degree. Well, I got this job. Well, I'm, I'm this important. This is the things that I've done. <coughs> this is a, I, I was thinking about exalting themselves. That's like lifting yourself up. Has anybody ever been able to lift yourself up I mean, like, try it right now, right? I can't pick myself up. (laughs) As hard as I try. And so you try to exalt yourself, guess what? God says you're going to be humble. But if you'll humble yourself, then God, in His timing and in His way, He will elevate you the way He wants to. How many of you know that's a whole lot better choice right there, amen? So let's move on. Esther, uh, verse 5, it says, When it was all over that 180-day party... Uh, the king gave a banquet for, look what it says, all the people. See, before, the 180-day party was only for the elite, right? But, but this one was from all the people, from the greatest to the least, who were in the fortress of Susa. It lasted for seven days and was held in the courtyard uh, of the palace. And so everybody was invited, rich, poor, whoever it was, and no doubt there were thousands of people. There were a lot of people at this seven-day party. Verse 7 says, Drinks were served in gold goblets of many designs. There was an abundance of royal wine reflecting the king's generosity. And check this out. By edict of the king, no limits were placed on the drinking, for the king had instructed all of his palace officials to serve each man as much as he wanted. How many of you know that was a drunk fest going on? They were plastered. They were like, man, we never had this much. And we can just drink as much as we want. Nothing else was going on. It was, a dr- it was a drinking binge going on. And while that was going on, verse 9, it says, At the same time, Queen Vashti gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. So uh, what I didn't realize before reading this and really f- focusing on it is that all of the men were out there with uh, King Xerxes... And the women were with Queen Vashti. So these men were just partying it up out there. Uh, It doesn't say the women were drinking like that, but definitely the men were. They were having a great time. And then something happened that changed everything. Verse 10, it says, On the seventh day of the feast, when King Xerxes was in high spirits because of the wine. How many of you know when? That's a nice way of saying they were plastered. Like, like, are you drunk? No, I'm not drunk. I'm just in high spirits. That's a, that's a nice way of putting it right there, right? They were in high spirits because of the wine. He told the seven eunuchs who attended to bring Queen Vashti to him with the royal crown on her head. He wanted the nobles and all the other men to do what? Gaze on her beauty. So here he is. He has everything. He's shown everybody his stuff. And now he wants to show off one more of his prized possessions, his queen right his wife he wanted everybody to gaze upon her beauty and here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize and uh because you just read that when we read it but according to jewish tradition it says that for her to appear with the royal crown on her head it meant only that that she was supposed to appear with the crown and nothing else right so you guys can get the image right that she was to be naked in front of all of these drunk thousands of drunk men he wanted her to come in with a crown on so that people can look and say oh wow she's so beautiful she's so amazing and the king like yeah but she's mine i mean that's how arrogant he was and you can imagine if you got that request you would probably respond like queen vashti did when they conveyed the king's order to her she refused to come I mean, listen, if she was just able to come in her normal outfit, I don't think she would have uh, gone against the king because that was taking a risk right there, but she didn't do it. This made the king furious. He burned with anger, basically ordered that she would never appear before him again. He vanquished her. We don't know what that means. He killed her or just kicked her out of the palace but that's when a a replacement for the queen and so this is my next point if you want to be a jerk get angry when people don't do what you want how many of you even if your requests are completely unreasonable how many of you think the king had an unreasonable request of his queen that wasn't reasonable you want to put me in front of what wearing what i don't think so but if you want to be that way, then all you got to do is act like you're more important than everybody else. Expect people to give you every wish. And if they don't do it, what do we do? We get mad. If people don't do what I want, then all i got to do is get angry. Maybe if you're at a restaurant and the server gets your order wrong, what do we do? We need to get mad at them. Make sure that they know you should get the better treatment. I mean, I did this in the first service. How many of you ever gone to a restaurant and they got your order wrong? My hand's up. Right, it happens. Uh, Let me just say this: for a while, Pastor Colleen and I worked at a restaurant. I've gotten people's order wrong, right? Maybe you didn't hear something. Whatever the situation, and, and we blow up at them, right? What's going on with that? Maybe you're at work and a coworker makes a mistake. I don't have to raise your hand because we've all done it. If that happens, yell at them. Make sure they feel absolutely miserable for failing and not doing things correctly. Uh, if your boss doesn't want to give you what you want, you need to quit, go to the competitor and talk bad about him, tell all kinds of stories. If your kids don't live up to your expe- expectations, blow up at them. And, and be sure that every bad grade is followed by you're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to amount to anything. Can I give you some of the classic things that jerks say? You're worthless you're useless, you're a disappointment, you're an embarrassment, get away from me, I don't even want to be around you, right, how many of you, I'm sure some of you have had some of those jerks in your life, right, you've had people speak some of that stuff over you, and I want to tell you, if you've had that come at you, this is what I want you to understand, don't let others arrogant anger determine your worth, if other people are speaking that over you, it's like, you don't know me, you don't get to determine what my value is i serve a god who loves me who gave his life for me he's the one that cares for me listen foolish people that don't recognize god's value in your life uh... they don't change god's value just because they may say you're worthless i could have everybody in the world say i'm worthless but i have god who says no you're worth it all so we let god determine our value not other people's anger and their ignorance so here's the thing To not be a jerk, we've got to treat everyone as valuable and important. Amen? Everyone. Every one of you guys, valuable and important. And uh, let me tell you, I remember this uh, probably 25 plus years ago. I don't remember. I think we were six or something like that. Pastor Colleen and I, we were at a huge conference with pastors and ministers. Probably over 5,000 were there. There was a lot of well-known that were on all the TV stations, pastors, uh, evangelists, other ministry leaders. And then there were a lot of us that nobody had a clue who they were. You had all of these people. I remember we happened to encounter one of these guys that had been on TV. Uh, If I remembered who he was, I can't even remember now, uh, you would would have recognized him because he was all over at that time. And we actually ended up in a conversation with him. And I thought, oh, this is cool. We're having a conversation. Uh, I thought it was cool for about 10 seconds because he was talking with us, but he kept looking over our head for the next important person. How many of you have been in a conversation with someone like that? They're talking to you, but you're really kind of an, uh, you know, as soon as the next important person comes along, I'm going to talk to them and just kind of push you to the side. And I remember thinking, man, that guy's a jerk. How many of you know? That's what we're talking about. And then we came upon another well-known minister that uh, we've been following. I mean, my wife's followed a lot longer, but he's literally ministered to thousands. He's got a ministry in New York. Thousands and thousands of kids come to this, inner city kids. Uh, He has done so much, and his name is, I'm going to have a picture of him. His name is Bill Wilson. I love this picture of him right here because this child is important to him. And that is such a reflection of who he is because, well, let me just give you a little bit of stuff that he's done recently. There's this picture right here that I downloaded. How many of you guys remember a few months ago when these missionaries were held hostage in Haiti? Some of you. He was one of the main people that was instrumental in getting their release. The reason he's got that cut over his eye is one of the, the hostage takers had smacked him in the head with, uh, with a rifle. And, uh, but he was able to get them out of there. He's, uh, been to, uh, <clears throat> he went to Afghanistan, was able to get a lot of people, chartered a plane, got people out after the U.S., abandoned a lot of people there. And uh, my wife even mentioned he's in Afgan- or, uh, Ukraine right now. So he, he, has, he just values people so much. And I want to go back to this picture right here because when Pastor Colleen and I were talking with him, even though there were a lot of other people that wanted to talk to him he focused on us we felt like we were important while he and he was speaking directly he was listening to us and he was speaking words of encouragement to us even though all the other people were there so we walked away feeling like man this guy really cares this guy valued us even though we were nobodies nobody knew us there the only people that knew us there we knew each other and that was it listen I want to be that way I want to value other people. I want to treat other people uh, the way God treats me. Amen? So that's what we should do. Let's move on here. Esther chapter 2, verse 1. After King's exert, King Xerxes' anger had subsided, he began thinking about Vashti and what she had done and the decree he had made. So we don't need to always just read through. We've got to ask, okay, why was he thinking about it? Why was he thinking? What was going on in his head? I think after he came out of his drunken stupor, he thought, Wow, that was a dumb request I asked of my wife. I just asked her to come out here naked in front of thousands of drunk men. That was stupid, right? And I think he regretted it. And now he's alone. He's probably pondering what a a foolish decision I made. But, you know, fortunately he's got ungodly counselors around him. So look what they did his personal attendees suggested let us search the empire to find beautiful young virgins for the king like really let the king appoint agents in each province to bring these beautiful young women into the royal harem of the fortress of susa Hegi, uh, the king's eunuch in charge of the harem will see that they are all given beauty treatments in this after that the young woman who most pleases the king will be made queen instead of Vashti. this and look what it says this advice uh, very much appealed to him and he put the plan in effect of course it appealed to him he's a jerk right of course it did and listen what follows we can read that and like i said just kinda go through it but basically what was happening is virgins were taken from all over the country some of them may have volunteered but most of them would have probably been by force like hey you got a beautiful young daughter we're taking her they're going to be considered for the queen that should be an honor right but again Jewish historian Josephus he said that that at that point there was as many as 400 young girls that were brought in 400 young girls. each one was required to spend a night with the king and you know what happened in that time because it said the one who pleased him the most the one that is going to be the Queen I, I think about that I'm like wow you know 400 can you really even know who pleased you the most after that I mean come on so here's the thing, King Xerxes treated women as objects for his pleasure. Yeah. He just treated people, and that's the thing, if you want to be a jerk, treat people like objects. Yeah. Treat people like, you know what, I'm, gonna, you're, I'm only using you to use you to get what I want. And as long as somebody, if somebody's no longer helpful for your purposes, discard them. Yeah. Hey, listen, I'm done with you. Anybody ever feel like that? Yeah. Anybody ever felt used by people? I mean, that's a horrible feeling, isn't it? you hate that and you know you thought somebody was on your side you thought somebody was there with you and they were for a while until you became you know not, no longer useful for their purposes whatever the situation is you know the you know the story when the drinks are on you guess what you got plenty of friends right but when you are hopelessly addicted guess what nobody's around Think about the, uh, uh, the prodigal son. As long as he was having wild parties and he was paying for everything, everybody's there. All of a sudden, he ran out of money. Nobody's there. Nobody's there. That's how it is. That You know what it's like to be used. So don't be a jerk and use people. Don't see people as objects that you can manipulate to accomplish your goal. And, and I just want to say this. You don't think that that can happen in a church? Yeah. Some of you guys know. And listen, I'm going to say some, not many. I think most pastors have the right heart, but there are some every now and then that use people to accomplish what they want. They've got goals and they're going to use people the way that they want to. They could become master manipulators. And uh, I had a friend when we were in Colorado Springs, we worked together. So my first job out of the military, I was the milkman I think I've told some of you guys that. I delivered milk door to door. And uh, the joke at that time was all of my kids look like the milkman. Yeah. (laughs) So yes, they did because that was me. Some of y'all are getting that right now. (laughs) Anyway, this one friend, he was was a believer and we worked together. We talked a lot. And uh, he was going to a different church. But he used to go to this one church. It was a large church and it had a history uh, of using people and discarding them. And uh, he talked about how the pastor really was about trying to get more and more money from his people. He had all these projects. He's had all these goals. And he didn't just talk about tithing. He had three or four times a year that the pastor would designate give it all Sunday. <laughs> what does that mean? It's exactly what you hear. He, he, he expected people to give their entire paycheck for the week on those give it all Sundays. And that was a <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Let me tell you, there are some people that are very good manipulators. And what he would do is that he would celebrate those that did give it all. And then he would basically speak of those that didn't give it all. They just didn't have enough faith. They just didn't have enough faith. People were treated as object. But, but I will say, that's why that church burned a lot of people. And there are people that you would meet in that city. Oh, yeah, I went to that church. And they would never go to church again because they got burned, manipulated, and their idea of church and pastors was what that guy was. So they ran buses all over the city. They did a lot of outreach, but it was all a useful thing. I want to use you to get my, to opt for my goal. So listen, that's unbiblical. I'm going to say, if God tells you to give a full week salary, that's between you and God. You're never going to hear that up here. We we don't believe in manipulating people like that. We will talk about tithes and offerings because that's biblical, uh, but we don't treat people as objects. So here's the thing: to uh... not be a jerk, we need to develop deep, lasting, meaningful relationships. How many of you know people matter? And if you, how many of you guys are people? Every one of you. I only see one hand up there, right? <laughs> All of you guys are people. Everybody matters. Anybody that's watching online, we may see clicks on there. Some people respond, uh, but we just see numbers. But you know what? Even if we don't know who they are, they matter. It doesn't mean that we don't pray over them, right? And listen, in order to develop deep, lasting, meaningful relationships, how many of you know that doesn't happen accidentally? It doesn't happen. and, And I think somehow the church has missed this. Can I tell you one of the things that COVID has revealed is that for the last 20 plus years, uh, a lot of times we focused on getting more people in the chairs and how important that was without developing relationship. And what has happened when the pandemic hit, it caused most of those people that were just attenders, they weren't really connected. It caused them to, they left. Like everybody, oh, the church shut down for a few weeks. And guess what? Many, most of those have not come back. Some of them never will. And and I can just say these are statistics that are coming out right now. The smaller churches that have 200 people or less, they've seen most of their pre-pandemic numbers come back because it's easier to get to know people, right? It's easier to get to develop a little bit of relationship. The larger churches, and this is across the country, so some areas are less, some are more, uh, but larger churches, 500 to 2,000 plus, they're down on a national average of 40 to 60% still today and so a church that might have been running a thousand there's some right here in 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 our area uh, when I say area I'm talking northern California area that we know that maybe they were running 2,000 now they're running 1,200 right and here's the thing here's the key thing their giving has stayed the same if not gone up a little bit So who are the ones that they lost? They lost the people that didn't have any relationship. They didn't have any connection. They weren't, they were coming in, and we could count their noses, right? But it, you know, is God really worried about that? No, we need these lasting, meaningful relationships. God has called us, and I like Pastor Colleen said earlier, connection. We've got to connect to each other. And that's one of the reasons that we did start back our small groups. We actually call them our life groups. And and I stole this phrase here, but I like it because life is better in community. It really is. And and currently, I'm I'm excited. We've got probably 30, 40% of our people. Some of you guys are in small groups. we got a small group tonight at uh, David and Christina. She's serving in the nursery right now. I think Tuesday is Bob and Marilyn's right here at the church. And then uh, in the, what time? 10. Okay, so 10 on Tuesdays, and then we've got one next Friday at Beth and Bill. So uh, we only got three right now, but all of them have a good amount of people coming. I want to encourage you to find and get a part of one of those. Find a place to connect. We do Thursday night prayer. How many of you know that's a good time? That's kind of one of our small groups. We have a Friday morning men's Bible study. Find somewhere to connect with other people outside of your immediate family, outside of the people that you normally hang around with, I want to say that the more you do that, do you realize how healthy that is for you? That's right. How healthy that is. Not, not just mentally, it is mentally healthy, but it's also spiritually healthy. That's how God created us. And, and, and I can just say, you know, for myself, the further I get along on this journey with Jesus, the more people matter. The more people matter. I look across this room. I can see, I'm like, we have the lights up at this point. Uh, we always go online to see who happened to be online, whoever's there. And, uh, you know, Pastor Colleen and I, we don't just see you guys as seat fillers. Oh, we need some more people in the seats. No, every week we celebrate seeing each and every one of you. It's a joy to us. You, you know, we're, we're concerned about those that we don't see right if you're not here i want to tell you uh we're not you know some people tell us when they're not here coming i got a text from somebody last night hey hadn't been feeling well so i'm not sure if i'm going to be there most people don't and we've had the purpose as pastors not to call or text somebody every time they're not here because then we can be seen as the attendance police hey where were you (laughs) what were you doing right I don't think most people would appreciate that, right, if you do that every time. But I want you to know this, that every week that, that we look at who wasn't here. Why? Not so that we can like, oh, yeah, that, that jerk wasn't there today. No. <laughs> no, because you guys are missed, right? And, and we pray over everybody, those that are here, those that aren't here. Why? Because you matter. And, and listen, if you don't hear anything else from this, you matter. You matter to God and you matter to us. I love this verse this kind of really reflects what Paul says uh, but I believe for us as well it says dear brothers and sisters after we were separated you for a, a little while though our hearts never left you we tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you again we wanted very much to come to you and I Paul tried again and again but Satan prevented us he says after all what gives us hope Uh, and joy and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns it is you yes you are our pride and joy you are our pride and joy can you imagine how we would all act if we viewed each other as our pride and joy how we vow if we would really value each other how many of you know we would treat people differently we would treat people so here's my word don't be a jerk love people right I think that's in there somewhere. I don't know. Message version, something like that. But uh, we need to value people. We need to invest in people. Don't quit on people when they fail. How many of you know we're all going to fail? And when they do, don't quit on them. Don't give up just because somebody let you down. Oh my goodness, right? If that were the case, then none of us would be here. Right? We all let people down. Don't walk away just because somebody makes you mad you know that's so immature Oh, they made me mad i'm never going to talk to them again come on grow up (laughs) right (laughs) grow up sometimes we make each other mad i don't know you know the scripture says iron sharpens iron sometimes our our iron somebody sharpens my iron i might get all mad but i need to get over it don't start talking to god God's people in a way that diminishes them. Esther 2.21, it says, One day Mordecai was on duty at the king's gate. Two of the king's eunuchs, Big Thana, he must have been a big guy, right? And Teresh, who were guards at the door of the king's private quarters. I'm going to look it on here. Became angry at the king. Of course they became angry at the king. He was a jerk, right? I bet they had good reason to be angry at the king. And they plotted to assassinate him. I mean, come on, that happened all the time. And then check it out. But Mordecai heard about the plot, gave the information to Queen Esther, since she told the king about it, gave Mordecai credit uh, for that. And then it says when an an investigation was made, Mordecai's story was found to be true. Uh, They impelled the two guys, and it was written in the book of the history of King Xerxes. So uh, like I said, I'm sure they had a good reason to be upset with him. But guess what? It was still against the law to kill the king right even if they were justified uh... listen you may be upset with our president or our governor or any other leader and you know you may wish for their demise i hope not because that's not a christ-like attitude but even if you did i want you to know it's still against the law to kill the president the uh... the the governor whomever it is so (coughs) not a good thing so mordecai yeah pray for them exactly mordecai found out about the plot and he told it, and listen, he didn't do it to try to get kudos or, or or a reward or anything. He was just doing the right thing. And in return, guess what? The king didn't do anything for him. Not even a thank you. Not even an attaboy or anything. How do we know this? Well, look, several chapters later, <clears throat> verse six, chapter six, it says, The night the king had trouble sleeping, so he, he this is how arrogant this guy is. I don't know if you ever realize it. He ordered and intended to bring in the book of the history of his reign. So it could be read to him. Tell me about my reign. <laughs> read it to me. Tell me about all the great things that I've done, right? I mean, like I just can't stop reading the story about that's like writing an autobiography and having somebody read it to you. <laughs> right? So this guy was a jerk, right? But anyway, in the midst of it. <clears throat> It says in those records he discovered how an account of Mordecai had exposed the plot of Big and Teresh, two of the eunuchs who had guarded the door to the king's private quarters. They had plotted to assassinate King Xerxes, And he says, What reward or recognition did we ever give Mordecai for this? And the king the king asks, His attendant says, Nothing. We haven't done anything for the guy. So uh I mean eventually he did, but at that point he hadn't done nothing and uh... here's the thing so to be a jerk be ungrateful be entitled you guys realize we live in an entitlement society right now everybody owes me everything don't say thank you don't express uh... any kind of gratitude to anybody don't be grateful for gifts or words or service that somebody may do for you and uh... and i love this that uh... earlier this week i mean and i'm just going to give kudos to my kids and uh... stephanie and timothy i believe they're raising our our grandkids right and we're pretty proud of them but uh... what happened the other, and and both of them abby and levi two and three year olds say thank you all the time and, and it's amazing the other day stephanie pulled up opened the, the back door for abby to get out and then the door kinda closed back itself and i just opened it back up for her and she goes thank you pop up <laughs> I know, so my heart melted right there. Listen, you guys know that if the pastor has grandkids, he's going to tell stories about it, right? So anyway, but I mean, I, guess what? I would have opened the door anyway. But that, thank you. I want to run out there every time they drive up now and open that door even more. Am I right? So uh, listen, wh- if you're ungrateful, then you're like that. Eh, you know what? You should have done that. They should have expected that. Here's the thing: the principle is the more you feel entitled in life the less you're going to be grateful for. Isn't that true? If I'm entitled, listen, the bigger sense of entitlement we have than the smaller sense of gratitude we have. The more we expect people to do stuff for us, oh yeah, well that's what you're supposed to do. I want to tell you, there is nothing more ugly than an ungrateful person nothing more I mean when 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 God has provided something for you he's provided a home for you to live in he's provided food for your plate right he's provided people around you listen we should be thankful we should live grateful lives right I mean if you ever been to a kid's birthday party and they're excited about opening gifts and then they come to yours and they're like eh, it's not really what I wanted yeah. it's the wrong color right you know you're still going to give the gifts but it's like you know what next time kid you know what you're going to (laughs) get goose egg right okay that's what we think we'll still probably do something but i'm just telling you that takes the joy out of it when you do something for somebody and there's no gratitude i I know we don't do it to get that but i believe that there's a principle there some people are just takers am i right they don't say thank you because they think they deserve it they think society owes them and I wanna tell you uh, for me they may get it once but guess what they're not gonna get it again right if I'm gonna give something to somebody I'm gonna choose those that are grateful that have learned that and I think God's the same way I mean God blesses all of us his kids uh, but I think those extra blessings that he gives are to those ones that learn to be thankful right those that are, I mean think about it. I think last week Pastor Colleen mentioned the lepers, uh ten of them got healed, nine of them went away, and they didn't come back to express any kind of gratitude whatsoever. one did and uh and I can't think of where it's at in the, it's in the, obviously in the New Testament, but uh, uh he says, you know what you because you came back, you are well, you were made whole, so he got something more because he had gratitude in his heart, right. So here's a here's the verse out of First Thessalonians, and if you've ever wondered what's God's will for my life, I hear people. I don't know what God's will is. Well, here's one of them: Give thanks in all circumstance, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Right. Can I tell you, there is power when you can begin to be grateful. Yes, right. Maybe you were never taught that. Maybe you were never shown that. Uh, but if I can just start learning to be grateful for the things that I have then guess what? God's going to start pouring more into your life. God's going to be opening up the door in greater ways. So obviously, to not be a jerk, we got to learn to be grateful. Be grateful to God. Be grateful to other people. Because when we are grateful, guess what? It reminds us of how blessed we are. Gratitude reminds you of how big, how wonderful God is. Saying thank you actually reminds you of your blessings and that you'll never see them as an entitlement. Can I tell you, nobody owes us anything. An attitude of gratitude keeps us from living that ugly life of entitlement. So don't be like Xerxes. Don't be a proud, arrogant, manipulative, ungrateful show-off. Don't be that jerk. Show love. Treat people as valuable. Be humble. Be thankful. Share God's blessing when you can. Because that's what this series is about, is uh, living life on purpose the way you live it on purpose is I I want to be I don't want to be like King Xerxes so uh, I wanna circle back and talk about King Xerxes for a minute because he called himself the king of kings right the great king Uh, why haven't we heard more about him in history whatever happened to him well you gotta go outside the Bible to find out what happened but history teaches that he was assassinated by one of his bodyguards in 465 uh, BC the uh, the king of all kings, he only ruled for 21 years. Xerxes did, so Big Thana, his uh, plot didn't work, but the guy kept being a jerk. And guess what? Somebody else assassinated him. Obviously, Mordecai wasn't around for that. But here's the lesson: How many of you know jerks come and jerks go? Presidents come, presidents go. History is not kind to jerks. Kingdoms come, kingdoms go. But how many of you know there's a kingdom that's going to outlast all of them? There is a kingdom that will endure forever. God set up his kingdom and it will never be destroyed. When I think of all that, you know, Nebuchadnezzar thought he was like a king of kings. Guess what? Where's he at? He's dead. All of the pharaohs, they thought that they were like gods. Guess what? They're all dead. I mean, throughout history, Alexander the Great, who conquered so much, he's he's dead, right? Uh, All of the Caesars over the Roman Empire and the Roman Empire itself, guess what? It's all gone. Every king, every ruler, every kingdom has been defeated by death. They can't escape it. But I want to tell you today, there is a king of kings who death could not defeat. Amen. And that king rules over a kingdom that will never fail. Amen. Let me, uh, let me wrap it up with this verse right here. Revelation 17, 14. Together they will go against the Lamb... But the Lamb, and that's talking about Jesus there, just in case you didn't know. But the Lamb will defeat them because He is the Lord of all lords and the King of all kings. And His called and chosen ones and faithful ones will be with Him. Listen, I want to be with that King. Amen. That's where my allegiance, my allegiance goes to the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You know, whoever happens to be in the White House at the moment, how many of you know they're all temporary? from the greatest president to the worst whatever you think it is it's all just a little hashtag of time but we serve a king that is uh, lord of lords and king of kings and I love what it says and his called and chosen and faithful ones will be with him amen can I have everybody stand I just want to pray for you guys before we uh, let out if you're here today and you're like listen I want to be I want to be one of the ones with the King of Kings. If you've not submitted your life to him, then, uh, then I want to give you an opportunity this morning. I want to give you that opportunity, listen, to become a part of his chosen and faithful ones. It starts out with a surrender to Jesus. So can I have everybody, just bow your heads, and close your eyes. If you're here today and you say, listen, I want to submit my life to the King of Kings. I want to make sure that I'm one of his chosen and faithful ones. If that's you here today, if you've not done that, or maybe you want to make a recommitment to him in that, just raise your hand, and then you can put it back down. Amen. I see several hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, this exchange is very simple. God looks at our heart. And I want to say, even by you raising your hand, that's already a commitment right there. But I'm going to lead us in a prayer and the prayer just kind of seals it but you know what if you've raised your hand you already you already made that. But can we let's all repeat after me. Dear heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus who is the king of kings and the lord of lords. And Lord, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive my sin. I want my citizenship In the kingdom of heaven. I give you my life today. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.